Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another rousing rendition and season two of the Brethren Podcast. That's Brethren like bread because we always talking about our bread and we always getting bread. And when I say we, I would be remiss if I didn't introduce my brothers and fellow co-hosts, Destrian Wells of Destrian Wells Consulting and Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. of Loving Consulting, LLC. Gentlemen, how are you doing? We have been on a brief yet needed hiatus. How is life? Oh, man, it's going great. It does feel a little weird without our, without our counseling sessions, though. So this is nice <laughs> to be back. It's good to hear your voice. Oh man, it's definitely all good here, man. I've been uh I've been seeing a fair amount of Doctor Levin, and uh, I'm making my business to get up to to New York to see you, brother. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, but before we really hop into things and do what we normally do, you know, pomp and circumstance, we do want to welcome uh two uh brothers on the call with us this evening, uh John L. Woods and Ryan Randolph, two of our brothers uh in business and in life. Gentlemen, how are you all this evening? Doing quite well, doing quite well. It's a pleasure to be with you guys once again. It's been a long time since I had my events, my voice out there on the channel, so good to be back. That's beautiful. Randolph, uh how you living, man? Hey, same here, brother. Uh, everything is good. Uh, blessed to be amongst you, brothers, and uh, I look forward to 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 an amazing show. I always tune into the show. I always take from the show. Uh, I know I talk to AJ a lot about the show, uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, but as usual in Brethren Podcast fashion, uh, we go around the table. And uh, let us know what the libations are. Destrian, we'll start with you because it's redundant, but they ain't heard it in a while. What are you on that scene? Hennessy, splash of coke. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Consistency is key. <laughs> We've talked about this before. <laughs> Doctor Lovin, Doctor Lovin, what are you on right now? Oh well, th- this evening I'm uh, I'm sipping on Tito's. So you know, I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling clear and light and 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 just happy to be here. So yeah, that Tito's is that's hitting wonderfully. Yeah. Tito's an an American classic. There you go. It's a new classic. Uh, Mr. Randolph, uh, might you be sipping on anything this evening? Yes, sir. I'll have me a little double shot of Hennessy, and I'm thinking about just sipping on that. Outstanding. <clears throat> Looks like we have two two hands in the house. Uh, Mr. Woods, would you have any libations on you, sir? Please bring it home. Yes, I'm drinking on a, I'm, I'm drinking on a little Glimmerangi Nectar Dior uh, single ball. Single ball. Um, yeah. Uh, that is the, uh, that is the drink. That is the drink for the next three days, and um, yeah, we're gonna roll with that. Excuse uh, me, put put your pinkies up, audience. Put I mean, your pinkies. I mean, listen, ladies, listen, ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, uh, this is a, a very distinct group of people uh, that we are dealing with here. Um, I'm a, I'm going to have to have to just bring it back down to the common land. I, I'm, I'm still sitting on that Jim Beam. But uh, as I discovered this evening, uh, this is about the last of it. So um, many of my family and friends know. I have a 
day of birth coming soon, so there will be something to replace it. And I might take a book out of uh, Mr. Woods' page and give me some real fancy, but in Brethren Podcast fashion, gentlemen, toast, cheers uh, to a good conversation, to knowledge being dropped, and to uh, seeds being sown. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. All right. So like we said in the beginning, uh, we're going we, we breaking that first piece off and we're going to call that season one. And now we are back for season two of the Bridger podcast. But let's do a little recap. Season one, we, 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 we went back and we looked at what we did. We we're proud of the work that we did. And we noticed that we pretty much laid out a plan, a step by step plan to help people, you know, what I'm saying change some things about themselves incrementally to become better in your work life and your personal life at the same time. But we did a lot of focus on the work life. And so season two, we're going to, you know, switch that gear and get over to the second track and really focus on the personal life and, you know, creating that work-life balance. And one of the things that all of us on this call currently have in common is that we're all uh, married and we're all uh, fathers. Uh, so we definitely will be taking a deep dive into the role of being a father um, and how it affects us. And, and, you know, just just having an open and honest conversation like we've always done, giving you the same consistency that we gave you before. Um, so let's jump into it. Let's re let's really jump into it. But like we said, tonight's topic, we're going to really talk about um, creating that balance. And that may be the thing for several episodes. You know how we do. We don't really have a, you know, a full blown map drawn out. But DJ, I'm going to throw it to you first. As far as um, establishing a balance in your household, and we know it's not an easy thing, what is the one thing when it came to establishing that balance? Because you may or may not still be in the um, in the process of establishing the balance because, like, we know uh, Dallas just, just turned one, so now there's a new uh, dynamic in the house versus, you know, before. He was, you know, now he's one. He's moving. He's doing his thing. He's running the house like I expect him to do. Um, but you know, as, as far as establishing that balance, what's, uh, what's one of the things that was easy and why do you think it was easy? And then Dr. Lovett on the flip side, I'm going to throw it to you and ask you, what was the thing that was hard and why do you think it was hard? Man, um, that's a great question. I think that, um, I think the way you pose the question is very, uh, very strategic, um, uh, I probably would have been more capable of talking about things that were uh, that were hard. But as I sit quickly and I, I, I rack my brain, I think that you begin to prepare for this, at least if if you're planning for it. And we were fortunate enough to be in a situation where I actually went to my wife after uh, she tried to coerce me on several uh, occasions and, and for several years, even prior to us being married, to say, hey, you know, when do you want to think about having children? But I was adamant about us building a, a culture for our relationship up front, a means of communication, a, a, a format and a way that worked for us that we knew was tried and true before we introduced anything else into the situation. And so when, when I approached her and I um, basically proposed pregnancy to her, she was excited. So was I. But we were already at a place where I think the communication was at a point that we would be able to absorb the additional responsibilities. 
So from a cultural standpoint, we talked about having a culture for our relationship that was existential to that of our background, um, that of our friends, uh, family, or what have you. So we wanted to create an independent culture inside our relationship to insulate ourselves, to be able to have a uh, to have an environment that would be conducive to bringing a child into it. And that's not saying anything negative about where we come from or what we experienced growing up, but it was we want to improve upon it and enhance it. So I think the easiest part for us was making the decision to move forward and do it because we had become comfortable with each other and we had experienced each other and got to know each other over a period of time and it was it was thought out. Now I know um you know you asked Dr. Loving to address this but for me the difficult part came with trying to help my wife understand the uh, the trials that would be ahead of us. Like I sat and meditated on many a nights while she was asleep. I sat up and just sat outside and, and thought about these things, looking at, you know, having a drink, looking at the, uh, looking at the stars until the early mornings. And I could see the next six, eight, 12 months, my travel schedule, her feeling alienated, her feeling like she was, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, a single parent based on the way that my job is structured. And we talked through those things. So the culture had to be in place in order to overcome those things. So, you know, I would say the easy part was making the decision based on the culture that we established. The most difficult thing was, you know, kind of the coming to the realization that for all intents and purposes, she was going to be the person sacrificing the most, her body, her time, um, the momentum that she had in terms of her career, her uh, personal business, et cetera. So I needed to be prepared to be, you know, a, a support system in itself for her. So, you know, I would say those are the things that I took away. Uh, I don't want to speak at length because I know Dr. Loving uh, is going to uh, drop some jewels there. No, no problem. I definitely, you know what I'm saying, appreciate you for sharing that a little bit. And we definitely going to expound on a lot of the things and, and points that you uh, that you spoke about. But Dr. Loving, I'll go ahead and throw it to you. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also, you know, say what was easy. Um, but the question that, I, that I'm posing to you uh, is what do you – what do you think was the hardest part what, about st establishing a balance, um, and why do you think it was hard? Yeah, so, all right, uh, the, the easy part, that's easy, is, is uh, you know, choosing to commit to the person. Um, my wife has been with me uh, basically since around the start of my Ph.D. program, and so um, knowing that she was important to me was a very easy thing. The problem was that part of what she did, um, and, and, it, and I think it's a natural thing when you're dealing with someone who's doing something that's um, really time consuming, like a Ph.D. program, is, you know, she was super duper accommodating. Right. And so um, the difficulty was for me to pull back from everything being centered around my schedule what I needed to do, what I wanted to do, really, you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, I was, 
she, uh, you know, she made it very comfortable for me because she also recognized that I didn't have the wiggle room, especially at the beginning of our relationship, um, because of my my work schedule and the fact that a, a you know a PhD is not uh, is not a full time job. It's you know it's a full time life, right? So you you're called on to do stuff all the time, and you don't have as much flexibility as you like. You do have some time. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of fun too, but. We, you know, you you had a lot that you are responsible for, and it has to come in at a high quality, and it's got to come in on certain deadlines, and you got to do it right, or it's kind of over for you, right? And so that type of focus on what at that point was my career sort of changes as you move into academia because there's a little bit more flexibility and freedom. Yeah, you still have a lot of responsibilities too, but you do have a little bit. Uh, more freedom and you can take the spotlight off of just yourself. And so for me, being honest, man, the thing that I had to do was recognize it was about more than just me. Okay. And so, um, and I still struggle with this. I think making sure that I'm checking in and that she is, you know, experiencing the things that she needs to get out of life and experiencing time with me in ways that uh, are, are comfortable and we feel like we're growing closer together and all of those things. Man, that's, that is, a, I think, a struggle. If, if we're all honest, right, if we're all honest, we'll say, okay, well, there's, you know, there's always this part of me that just, you know, wonders and wants to make sure, too, that I'm I'm doing the things that I can to make my partner uh, happy and I'm not, you know, I'm not just making it all about me. At least, it, um, I, I, you know, I think that that probably most people who care about their significant other are doing that, right? And so, um, I would say that was probably the um, one of the struggles, and 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 I think learning to listen helps that being more in tune, recognizing. Um, and, and we'll talk about this later, I guess, in, in terms of prioritizing the things that you have to do and then being structured in your approach. But when you start to think about what it is that um, that really makes your partner tick, um, I think that's when you're starting to be on your way to what can make for a successful um, relationship and and, um, and and family, right? Because uh, contributing to a family is not just about the financial elements. Really, when you think about it, I mean, the financial elements are important too, but they really are an offshoot of all of the other more fundamental elements of of, of time and expressions of love and, and caring and all of these things that show that they, that those people mean something to you. And yes, the tangible comes from it, you know, that springs out from that too. But man, come on, you got to recognize that if, if you aren't, if it's not coming from that place of, of realness, then it's just stuff, right? And so they got to know that you care not just about providing things for them, but about providing an environment of, uh, of of love and productivity spiritually and physically and mentally so everybody feels like they're fertile and growing and moving forward. And so those are the things that I think when you can foster that type of environment, um, then, man, you're, you're doing you're on to something special. But the problem is you can't foster that type of environment just looking at yourself. Looking inward is a part of it, right? Knowing what makes you tick is a part of it. But if it's, if it's all about what makes you tick, well, shoot, tick away, but tick by yourself. 
You know, if you if you are thinking about what's going to make everybody better and you really care about your family and all that, man, guess what? People are more important than things. Right? They're more important than the things. Your feelings, they're things, but the people around you are more important than that. And they have feelings and they have things that they want to accomplish and they have they have time they want to spend with you. And recognizing that stuff is important. So backing away from and all sort of encompassing, this is what I have to do, especially when you have an extraordinarily important and difficult task. And then saying, all right, now man they've shown she's shown commitment to me we've shown as a family commitment to to a certain task but now man what what is our broader vision what is it that how how is it that we want to live because at the end of the day that's what it's about it's the living you know they call it that dash they say hey the year you're born and then there's the year you die is on your tombstone and then there's that dash in the middle that dash in the middle is how you lived your life how you how you loved one another the activities that you had, the experiences that you had, the places that you've seen together, the achievements that you've done as a family, the way that you made people feel and the impressions that they've left, that you've left on them. That's the stuff that sticks with people forever. And that's going to be the stuff that they talk about when they putting the, the dirt on you. Right. You don't want a whole bunch of people sitting up there like, yeah, I guess he went to work. He had a lot of nice shirts. Like at the end of the day, it's all about those those real things, and those real things are all about people and the way in which you relate to people and and prioritizing uh, people in, in your life. So that's 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 what I say. It's it's difficult, but then once you get it and you start doing it, hey, it it becomes it becomes habit forming. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to thank Dr. Levin for dropping the motto of the show. People are more important than things. He said it, and it didn't take him. How long? Did, how long? How, how long are we in the season two? We're about ten <laughs> minutes into season two, and we right. have already heard the pinnacle phrase: "People are more important than things." Letting you know that we are consistent here at the Bridgman Podcast, and that is the message that we have going for us all the time. We don't let up from the things that we are laying down as our foundation and our principles. So I just wanted to point that out. And, DJ, I'm going to throw it back to you because you had a point that you wanted to pick it back off of. But the thing I want to throw it to y'all next is to go ahead and start throwing this needle in this haystack I want y'all to find is what about uh, the guilt of sacrifice, be yeah. it on your partner's behalf or on your behalf? Because we both know, like like you both alluded to, um, you know, when it's, when it's time to make certain decisions, like let's have a child or I'm going to get my Ph.D., and you see the sacrifices that you know you have made, and you see the sacrifices that your partner has made. Uh, the the guilt that come along with that, like, am I taking too much advantage of her because she's supporting me, and I'm not doing enough, and vice versa, and the thing of that nature. But I wanted to throw that in there for y'all to go find. But DJ, I'm gonna throw it back to you because you had a point you wanted to make. I'll be real brief because I, I can tie the two in. You know, just to elaborate on what Dr. Loving was speaking about. Really, you know, an extension of what he's saying is overcoming fear and avoidance. Like a lot of times as men, we, we know, right? Like he said, well, you know, making the decision to commit is the easy part. We know that, but it's overcoming some fear and avoidance because there, there could be issues in your life that you need to get beyond to make sure that when you commit to this person, you're not ruining their life, especially when they have things going on that are productive 
and uh, they're meeting you where you are, so to speak. Now, things look a little bit different when you have a situation like that because you can, you're going to be held to account. So, you know, here it is. You want to, you know, uh, propose or get married or have a child or what have you. When you look at the sacrifice, and you kind of brought this up about the guilt of sacrifice, when you start looking at the sacrifice that that woman may have to make in order for this idea, this, you know, this uh, relationship goal to come to fruition, typically, and I don't even know if typically even defines the percentage, but more times than not, the uh, the the weight and the burden is, is is on the woman because again it's the it's the development and the carrying in of the child it's the toll that it takes emotionally physically on her on her body her mind and it's vast like I don't even know how to explain how deep that rabbit hole goes for someone who hasn't been through that but ultimately man, you really need to look yourself in the mirror and figure out if you're built for the long term. And one of the things that I would say around the the guilt of sacrifice, I have never personally felt, you know, any type of, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, resentment or whatever for sacrificing, but I could definitely see how my wife could. We had a 10-pound baby. You know, and she she carried him. She was up at night. I was still going to work. I was still traveling. Her life was put on hold. It's a major pause that's placed in that woman's life. She'll never forget that. Long after you've forgotten it, she never will. And what you have to do, you have to really humble yourself as a man and realize what's taking place in front of you. This is a person cultivating life over a period of time that will result in, you know, the the next however many years of happiness in your life. That's That's a living miracle. And I think oftentimes because things tend to go well, we take for granted that things will. But we should, all, we should also be reminded of the times that things don't go well. Those friends, family members, or, or, or folks that we may know, colleagues, etc., who have the unfortunate occurrence of, of losing a child, and understanding that this is a, a two-sided, you know, this is a two-sided trade. Things work out, and then sometimes they don't. The woman bears that burden the entire time, and I've seen women blame themselves for things that happen in childbirth that they can't control. It is a it is a very difficult proposition. So when we talk about the guilt of sacrifice, I think that as men, we need to participate more in the sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say that. Hindsight being 2020, during the process, I thought I was doing everything I possibly could do. Fly back on a red eye, make every doctor's appointment, but you know what? I should have been there anyway. The additional things would be the, you know, more empathy 
And I, I feel like I had a reasonable amount, but I probably could have had more. Hey, my back hurts. You know, I'm the, I'll go to Bath and Body Works and buy you a massage chair. Maybe she wanted me to do it. You know, like it's, it's, it's the small things that you have to think about when you're thinking about the sacrifice to avoid that feeling of guilt. And again, I think that is the being participatory in the process is, is the thing. You know, do the classes, man. A lot of us, well, I'm not doing those classes. Man, do them. Go do the Lamaze classes. Everything that any other man is telling you not to do it probably is a good idea for you to do. If your friends are telling you not to do it, you should probably sign your behind up and eagerly and enthusiastically go do it because it's going to be of value to your relationship with the woman that you're bringing this child into the world with. So, you know, AJ, it's a roundabout way of getting to uh, answering your question, but it's, you need to be participatory. There should be no guilt if both people are participating. You can eliminate that by establishing strong communication again, but also having some empathy because, again, she's bringing forth life. And your your job, in my opinion, is to help nurture and create an environment that she's comfortable in doing so. And we all know, because we have children now, it is not a comfortable proposition at all. So, I mean, the best you can do is try to create the environment. Go ahead, Doc. Yeah, what you got? Yeah, I was, I was going to say. Well, Doc, yeah. Doc, hold on, hold on, real quick, because uh, I think John, I think Janelle had he wanted to he wanted to throw a point in too. Janelle, you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead, go ahead, man. Make your you you had a point you wanted to make with along the lines. Go ahead. So I'll just say, um, you know, I come from a situation that's probably not unique, but I grew up in a family of women, you know, in the inner city, down in New Orleans, where, you know, the the whole concept of a man and a woman in a relationship, marriage and everything like that really wasn't really common in the area. Everybody had a baby mama or a baby daddy. You know, from starting at 15 and 16, 17, you know, it wasn't uncommon for people to already have two or three kids, you know. And so for me, you know, being the only child and being the only male and the youngest male, you know, I watched all the women in my family go through those experiences of becoming baby mamas and 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 having baby daddies and then having multiple kids and stuff like that, whereas you know, don't get me wrong, you know, I have some of the most strong and powerful women in my family, you know, that I've, that I've seen in all the places that I've traveled, but it created this, it forced me to essentially spend a lot of time in my head by myself alone without having any male figures there to really reach out to to figure out and identify what was that ideal male, what was that ideal family. And from a young age, I knew that I wanted to be a father. And having these constant images of women, not only in my family, but in their friends and everybody around me, what would the ideal make me? And so after a while, when you start looking at all these different traits and you start dealing with their emotions, watching women go through nervous breakdowns, watching guys mess over and 
you kind of come up with, you know, inadvertently you become desensitized to a lot of the emotions that they have because you see that no matter what they go through, you recognize how strong women are and you start to deal with them in that way. It's really difficult for you to be sensitive to to a woman when you know that who is the guy that she's most loyal to? Is it the guy who's the most sensitive or the guy who's really attached to their emotions and really trying to empathize with them? Or is the guy who's there making a paycheck? Is it the guy who's paying the bills? Is it the guy who's firm in what they say? Who's If they say it, they're going to do it. And so for me, inadvertently, I started to take on a lot of those characteristics. And I would say, you know, you know, it got to the point where, you know, when it made it very difficult later on in life to even really be in a relationship. And, you know, when I met my wife, you know, logic, you know, a lot of times when I went into a relationship with a woman or I started, you know, courting her or what have you, it would be, okay, logic would come into play. What did, what's her family got? What type of career is she going toward? What's her education and all these different things? But, you know, ultimately, you know, what led to my wife, it was, it was something completely illogical. It was something, it was a, it was a feeling, you know what I'm saying? You could almost say like, you know, it's crazy in my time, like divine interventions, like I took a leap of faith, you know, it seemed as though God was telling me that this is the woman I need to be with. And, and I took a leap of faith, you know, I left Louisiana, drove the floor. Florida, found a job, took a pay cut, and was like, none of it made sense at all. And here I am, this highly logical guy, you know, very unsensitive, dealing with a woman who is the polar opposite of me. And I would say that the most difficult thing was is trying to mesh those two worlds of me, this desensitized, logical guy, with this highly emotional woman who was very in a very illogical in a lot of the things that she did. And so when it came to starting a family, which like I said, I had known from a long time about a family. It's like there was, I didn't second guess any of the decisions that I made, you know, and, and it kind of echoing off of something you guys said too, as well as like, it, it was very easy to make the decisions of, yeah, this is wifey right here. We're about to get married. We're about to have some kids. We're about to make some money, and we're gonna we're we're good. I I saw, you know, I always had a plan, or I always could see where our, the potential of where our family can be. And it's very difficult to kind of come out of that your manliness and and just be able to, you know, you you get to a place where you, sometimes you feel as though you're waiting. For the other person to kind of accept or adopt your plan without really even giving any wiggle room for, you know, because like say for instance, like if I'm making the decision on we need to move here or we need to have here, this is the best job, we want to make more money, you're not, you're doing this, and comparing our two careers, this is the direction that we need to go into. You're a lot of times you're waiting for that woman to give you a counter argument, like okay, so talk me out of it, <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's difficult for a woman to be able to step up to a man if you're too high or you're too, you know, too far on one spectrum away from them. It's like you have to 
you know, and, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what DJ said is just like, you have to accept that sacrifices is that, you know, you can't be this super alpha male where you're just totally on one side of the spectrum without sacrificing a part of yourself in order to make that connection, which you're to have. And when it comes to a family, you know, you can never, you know, the whole purpose of, of having a, a partner or something like that is, is to, to be able to become a better person by taking on those characteristics or absorbing some of those qualities that you don't have and being able to submit those things to her. And, you know, after, you know, it, it took time and like, you know, you spend a lot of time kind of sitting in your thoughts and like, man, I, I could be doing this or I don't know why we're dealing with this. I don't understand this argument. Like, I know we need to do this. Why doesn't she understand yet what's taking so long? But then you have to sit back and say, it's like, man, you're spending all this time trying to figure out why we're not doing this, but you're not sitting there really being grateful with what you do have right now. You know, you may not be as far along inside of your career. You may not be as far along in your relationship. You might not have as many kids as you want. You might not have as much money as you have, but you have a family. You know, if that was your ultimate goal, you know, you should sit back and try and take every opportunity that you can to really enjoy that. And that, you know, like I say, being, if you're a man and like I say, if you're, if you're really far on one side of the spectrum and you're not very sensitive and you don't really, you know, second guess yourself, it's very, very, the most difficult part, man, is like, it's, you know, I wouldn't say being, you know, well, part of it's like, you can say empathetic, but when I think, you know, if somebody was asking me what empathetic is, it's like, I can understand where you're coming from. I can, I understand your situation because I've experienced similar situations or I've known other people who've gone through those similar situations, but it's very difficult as a man to, you know, meet a woman at the place that she's at. Not saying that you're higher or lower than him. That, like, that is the most difficult thing, you know what I'm saying, for me is to, like, to meet a woman in a woman's place or to go closer to that woman's place and leave, you know, kind of like your throne and say, your woman is struggling over here. You need to get off of your throne right. and go ahead on that hand and you need to be able to pull her up. But at the same time, you can't think. If your woman is, is struggling and, and, and depressed and everything like that, it's, you're not helping her by being depressed and being and struggling too. You have to still remain strong and to be able to bend down from your place, have a strong foundation to be able to pull her up. You know, and I think that's a difficult thing, you know, trying to find that balance of it's like, how do you stay rooted as a man? How do you keep your foundation? How do you be that rock for your family and still be able to extend your arms and reach out to your family and pull them up when you need them without leaving them behind? Most definitely, most definitely. Jay Woods, I definitely want to, you know what I'm saying, first say thank you for bringing that perspective um, to us because something that DJ pointed out is um, we we didn't, we you know, we it's it's a common 
you know, thread that, you know, that people think, you know, as far as the black community is that a lot of us don't have fathers, don't have father figures and things of that nature. And we know the truth is that there are people that do have the backgrounds. Like my father was in my household. I've always been raised in a two parent household, but my father worked literally all the time, like from sun up to sundown. He would go to work at like four in the morning, come home at like four in the afternoon. And then from four in the afternoon to about eight or nine o'clock at night, he was running his own business. You know what I'm saying? To bring extra income into the household. So my, you know what I'm saying? Most of my childhood, I've spent around my mom, my sister, my aunts, you know, and their friends. So I was always around women. So, you know what I'm saying? I can, I can, I can kind of understand your point of view, but you were fully immersed in it. And we want to thank you for bringing that point of view to light because, you know, it, it, like we said, it's, it's a common, it's something that we all know. Like everybody, we all got homeboys that was in that same situation. You know what I'm saying? So um, thank you for that. Um, DJ had a point that he wanted to um, to, to bring up uh, about that. But the, the one thing that I definitely wanted to point out is, you know, Jay Woods did a, did, a, did an eloquent job of explaining his point of view and also answering the question. But we all see at the end, it, it, it got rounded out as to, you know, it, you kind of you kind of are stuck in this infinite loop of you get it figured out, but then you still figure out like, OK, so what is this real balance? Because if I do this, you know, if I do, if I, if I over empathize now, um, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing this wrong. And if I'm, if I'm too strong now, I'm not empathizing as much uh, as much. So, you know, it, it, it's almost, you get stuck in this infinite loop, but DJ, I'll throw it, um, I'll throw it to you to make the point you was trying to make. That's a beautiful segue. And Jay, man, that, that was, that was on par, man, because, one of the things that I think we really suffer from is a lack of a male presence. It's not that the, the women in our lives don't do a phenomenal job because I grew up in a similar situation that Jay just explained. Like, my mother was my everything. So she got remarried or what have you. And even after that, you have an affinity for your mother. That's different when you see her go through things and she's the one that's holding down two or three jobs or whatever. And not complaining, by the way. This is part of the reason why I don't complain in my relationship. My job is to go to work. I'm going to do that anyway. And I think as men, we have to get back to understanding the things. What are you going to do anyway? So you're supposed to be doing these things anyway. And you have acquiesced or asked this person to join your journey. And you complain about it? Nah, man. Like, there are very few things that I complain about, but a lack of male guidance will lead you to complaints about your responsibilities because no one has informed you about what it is you need to really be doing. So what Jay was talking about, the way I wrapped my mind around it, he, he, he broke it down. I took some notes, bro. He said that you got to talk me out of my logic. And that is, that is a core piece of our communication barrier in my household. And with people in general, if it don't make sense, it's really hard for me to get on board with. You got to make it make sense to me. You see, I'm not going to say all women because I'll be stereotyping, but my wife knows and we've talked about it. She's going to operate from a, a, a position of feeling. Right. So it may feel good, but we still got to finance those feelings. So we need to come to some type of terms around how good this needs to feel to everybody. Because needs feel good to me too. So, what we what we do is we kind of get real about it. 
So, Jay, if you would, what I would say, what I heard from you, if I could boil it down into two things, is impact versus intention. So uh, I would, I'll would i start with the intention first. You know, my intentions are well. You know, I intend that you understand me. I intend that you understand where I'm coming from and that we can be on the same page. The impact could be male or female that we've offended the other party. They found our acts egregious and we're on two completely separate pages. So where do you go from there? So we have to understand impact versus intention. And we have to make sure that our intentions create the type of impact that we want. So when Jay is talking about the fact that, you know, you have more baby mothers than wives, that's impact and intention. My intention was not to get you pregnant. But now that you pregnant now that you're pregnant, the impact I have on your life and I don't want to be your husband or I don't want to be around is significant. So now you're raising the same kid that Jay was talking about, which is me and him. Well, we're watching the women do everything. And that can create a syndrome for a child because I want you to really think about that. How does that not teach him if that's all he grows up in to take a back seat and allow the woman to do everything when you guys should be helping each other? And for all intents and purposes, in the areas, and I want to be clear for our female listeners, for the areas that he's qualified to be out front. He should be out front leading that. And he should be secure enough in himself to say to you, in the areas that you are qualified to be out front, I want you to be out front leading us. Because that's how the relationship takes the next step in terms of going from good to great or what have you. Because everybody's being put in a position to win. That's how we get out of our our way. That's how you overcome that fear. That's how you deal with the avoidance. That's how you get out of the way of logic and feeling and and things like that. You result to common denominators of reasoning. Who is the most equipped to perform the task? That is the person that leads. At least that's how things work in my house because I'm not great at everything. And my wife is much better than me at a lot of things. And I'm, I'm, sure she, I'm sure she would agree with you on that. <laughs> but look, I'm sure look, she look, would. Look, one thing, one thing, yeah. one thing we all know is that the woman uh, oftentimes has opinion, and their opinion is definitely respected. Um, and you know, and, and if we're being completely honest, <laughs> right, right, majority said it ma- better be is on point. And, whoever, yeah. and, and majority of the time, that that you know, that opinion is also fact that we we. We don't really take it for what it should be in most times. I know my wife is probably no, 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 the because... hearing me through the walls, like clapping, like, uh, yeah. But, you know, but yeah, also, I, I, say that, I say that in terms of, like, you know, when the woman has, a, you know, a, a point of view about something, and then, you know, we have our logical point of view, but they come in from a place of emotion that also should be respected and taken into consideration. I think that's more so the point that I'm getting to is, you know, right. like, we, like we've Neither all kind of right. said the underlying things. It's like, yeah, it takes the combination. Of, it like it takes yeah. two. It literally does to make the best the art decision. Science. 
is to have the emotion and the logic come together to make the yin and the yang together. Because if the yang makes the decision without the yin, shit goes out. If you know the yin comes without the yang, you know everything goes to you know it goes in a certain very strict mm-hmm. direction. But look, this is AJ. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, DJ. Doc, Doc, I was about to say, I'm throwing yeah. this, Doc, because let's let get me, some vet, let's get some let, vet talking together. Man, let me this veterinary medicine. Let me just say this, like, no, no matter how solid the logic is behind the decision that you make, if your wife's face is screwed up and remains so, <laughs> that, my friend, will never, ever feel like a good decision. <laughs> a woman can, see, can can heave a sigh that you can hear even from another room with the with the with the, with door the closed. Say it, it, don't say it. it don't matter. She down there sighing and you know she ain't happy and she will let you know. My wife will my wife will give me the silent treatment. She won't do it from a different room. Cause that's too much, and just she got to come in there and look at me, <laughs> and I can see the disgust oh, on her face man. when she's upset. See, that's the thing is that women. That you talked about guilt uh, a couple uh, a couple of minutes ago. Let me tell you, man, the guilt that we that we have or we feel as men is nothing compared to what it is that women go through. I was uh I I I was combing my baby's hair. And my wife put a picture of me combing my baby's hair on Facebook. Oh, the outpouring of support. The type of father you must be. A wonderful man. You doing something that a lot of men won't do. Combing their baby hair. Guess what? The Wait, baby's did you hair say hair. men? Means, did you yep. say men? Okay, I just wanted to make sure you said men. Yes. The bar is set so low for men. In, in in relationships sometimes that it is ridiculous. When is the last time you were called a working father? I'll wait, cause it never happened, right? Now, if you if you're a mom and you're a stay at home mother, that's something else you call, right? So either you are a person who's neglecting your family, or you're a person that's a drain on the financial resources of your husband. That is the way women many times look at and pick one another apart. And that's how in this patriarchal society sometimes things are set up. Now, if we recognize those outside pressures, you know how in all them hotel means they always got some some woman and the man laying on top of her with all his bills and bad credit. And then she like he like, you know, the meme is like, be his peace. Maybe we ought to recognize that the outside societal pressures make things a little bit more difficult, especially for our black women. We should try to be their piece. Now, I'm gonna give you one piece of advice that we can that we can potentially use to take some pressure off of ourselves as we structure our lives going forward. And this is something I tell folks all the time. If you can set up your finances as you move from two single people and living in two single uh, households, moving together and not double your expenses, but have your expenses set up so that they are, they fit neatly within the income 
of one person, now you've taken a little bit of pressure, a little bit of financial pressure off of the relationship. If y'all move together and you got to have a house that's double the size and all of the bills are double the bills and everything else is extraordinarily expensive and you're not in a position where you can save, you're not in a position where if someone gets laid off, you can uh, you can meet the financial need, then you've created a bunch of pressure that's there. And what happens is the differences between men and women in terms of how we're naturally going to uh, pursue certain expenses, look at certain um, opportunities, whether it's vacation or whatever else, man, you created a whole bunch of pressure for yourself that you didn't necessarily have to do because of the way you structured your finances. So, you know, we were talking about, hey, you got your logical side and you got your emotional side and she's bringing that look, man, to the extent that you can handle some of the logical components of making sure y'all don't get over your skis in terms of your expenses, right? That if if you can pay for all of the expenses and she's got a good job too, man, y'all can save, you can invest, you can go on vacation, she can you can stun on Instagram, y'all can look good, right? That's that is what the you know you, you can you can do all of those things that make her feel like, man, being with with A.J. Woodson was the most, the, 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 the smartest decision that I made with my heart ever. He is the best man that I could, I could ever see because I don't have to worry all the time like they see the other women around them worrying. A lot of times with, with these baby mama situations and all of this, man, we have put a lot of pressure on women in general. I remember when my mom uh, and, and my dad divorced when I was when I was young, and it was all on her for a while before my stepdad came in. And I remember her seeming more terse, seeming more on edge, seeming more more logical, literal, ready to fight in many cases, and, and, and tougher and more bristled. And then what happened when she uh, married my stepdad is she was able to l- be calm, be more comfortable. He was actually in, in many ways being her peace. Like this, these are things that we can offer to one another to improve the quality of life that, that our partners experience and we experience too. But yeah, we have to be emotionally in tune with ourselves too. We got to recognize that it's important to, um, to, to be able to talk to a person and recognize that it's not all about just the, the money and the stuff and all the rest of that. But to the extent that we can structure life to make it more comfortable um, for ourselves, to make it easier for us to do, to have the flexibility. That's what wealth is. That's what money is. It's about us having flexibility and options, right? And so when you set your expenses within a reasonable place, now you've created other options so that when you guys get ready, because, hey, you you know, she's going to want to visit her family. She's going to want to go to the family reunions. You're going to want to go on other vacations that look nice. Those things are also there and possible to you uh, for you as as a family without creating so much pressure. And so um, I, uh, you know, there's we do what you do well, you know, as men. Right. And then also recognize what we can improve on and how we can be more in touch and how we can be more helpful um, to uh, to to our, our women that love us, our, our partners that love us, and then also um, understanding that um, when you get beyond what it is that you ought to be doing, you are in, in terms of in terms of expenses 
in terms of uh in terms of trying to live to how the hog you're going to create natural chasms between yourself and your and your uh and, and your wife or your your spouse your significant other because now your competing interests are much more likely to uh to to flare up against one another so DJ go ahead and uh catch this alley and um Start closing us out because we're going to move on to the after show because I, I already sense the depth oh, yeah. that we can go to with things. So we need to go ahead and get to our uh, safe space, as we will as we will call it, the after show. So definitely make sure that you all stay tuned to that. But, DJ, go ahead and you can go ahead and make your closing remarks, man. You know, just off the backs of what Dr. Loving said, I would say this, you know, as a more mature man, I, I offer much more of my whole self. And I offered much more of my whole self to uh, the woman that ultimately became my wife than I did to any other woman prior to her. So when we talk about balance, we have to understand that you got to find that within yourself first. Balance doesn't come from another person giving it to you. It's something that you have to be ready to achieve for yourself. You know, what's important to you doesn't change that much. It, it really it, it really doesn't. If you are driven by money, in all likelihood, you'll be driven by money. If you're driven by titles, you'll be driven by that. If you're driven by multiple women, like whatever it is, whatever vice you have as it relates to success will show itself. I was fortunate enough that I had good people around me, number one. And then number two, I had the type of woman come into my life that required the, the level of maturity from me to make definitive decisions. And I think that's important because what she experienced relative to her predecessors was a much different person. Ultimately, she she experienced the best version of me or what I thought was the best version of me. She continues to help me reinvent that as time goes on. So um, one of the things I like to just kind of put on the table for our listeners is that balance has to be revisited. As your life becomes busier, as you achieve more success, as your plate becomes more full, what was once balanced is not. And I say that with a smile on my face because it means that you're progressing. You're starting to have to make difficult decisions, but they all are positive. You know, think back on the days where you were making decisions about very negative things. Can I pay this or can I pay that? Now you're making decisions about where you spend your time generating income. Those are not bad decisions to make but they still need to be made and they need to be made thoughtfully. So having the proper person in your corner is important. My wife for all intents and purposes is my best friend. And that's something that has served me well because on the days that the marriage is not the best, the friendship still lasts and she can tell me anything and she can call me on anything. And I think that's important to kind of move into a space that Doc was talking about. You have to eliminate competition from your relationship. 
You have to eliminate ego from your relationship. At some point, it doesn't matter who gets it done. AJ, I'm sure you can relate to this. Um, Avery is still, you know, in the uh, newborn stage or in the infant stage. If we're going to keep track of how many diapers you change versus how many Shannon changes, both of y'all are losing. All that matters is that it gets done and that both people contribute. Once you can get to a model that looks like that for your entire relationship, you've established balance. And once you get to a model where it looks like that for your work and your life, where, you know what, I give as much as I can to my occupation, but I don't give everything to it because I have to save something for the people that matter to me. And that's a far cry from what most people will tell you. You should do an excellent job. But I encourage people to become more efficient. If you end up being the person that works the most time at your job, it might be because you're inefficient. You could work the most time and get fired because you're a time drain. You're costing them more money, less results. Become more efficient. In doing so, you create more time for your family or what have you. It is completely necessary to establish a balance in terms of work and life because the lack of it leads to increased divorce rates. It leads to higher incarceration rates, specifically in the African-American community. It leads to situations in which you have uh, these other domestic issues that parents are not in tune with as it relates to uh inappropriate behavior with adults and children because there's just not enough oversight. So is it, the balance is important. If your family is not on an even kill with your job, they're losing. And I would say if it, even if it's 50-50, at some point you have to choose. My family is going to win every day of the week. And if you have an employer that would say otherwise, you probably need to figure out what steps you need to take to seek additional employment or other employment. Because an employee whose focus is split between work and home is not a productive employee. And without the bandwidth to support those initiatives and those things, you won't accomplish much. So for me, man, you know, um, just to completely close it out, it goes back to what Dr. Loving said in our very first podcast in season one. People are most certainly more important than things. And as it relates to establishing balance, I think it goes back to the relationships and the people. If you treat the relationship right and you treat the people right, the income will come. You just have to get the other part right. The income is a derivative of the other two. The people and the relationship, that equates to the income. And that's what I got for you, man. Eloquently put, as always, Dr. Love, and I'll throw it to you. Yeah, man, I, I think that uh, 
that that DJ laid it on quite well, man. You, I, I worry about people, um, especially young black men who are told, "Hey, man, hey, all you gotta do, you get your education, you get your money, you focus on on you." And everything's going to be fine. That you know, that's that's what it's all about. It's the car you can have, the um, the investments you can have, and, uh, and and that's all you really need is stuff. And and I worry about that because at the end of the day, when you talk to people who have led happy lives, who have enjoyed their lives and felt fulfillment, even among those who folks who are wealthy, you know, usually what happens is the wealth itself has very little to do with the amount of joy and happiness that they've felt in their own lives and brought into the lives of other people. It's not about the money, right? It's about the personal relationships. It's about people being more important than things. And for the times that they prioritize those people over things, they usually express happiness and comfort with those things. And when people express regret, it's usually when they have gotten out of order and started to prioritize things over people. So what Destrian said was very important about, hey, you got to, you know, it, you're always going, you have, to, you have to prioritize work too. Don't get me wrong. But you need to prioritize the people in your life that you care about over the things. The reason that you go to work, the reason that you save and invest, the reason that you put forth a, a future uh, or work towards a, a future that's going to be more financially productive for your family is because you care about those people, because you want them to lead happy, fulfilling lives where they have options, right? And so you can't just look at the stuff to the detriment of the people. All right. So once you once you get that in your head, then I, I think you're, you, you're on the right track. But then you have that added layer that you have to recognize that you want when you're talking to, especially, you know, if you're a guy dating a woman or any any two people trying to um, get together. Uh, who are who are coming from different households and different backgrounds and all the rest of that type of stuff? That's always an issue. Um, you you gotta you gotta connect to what it is about that person that that made you say, "Man, I want to be with her or him forever," and then start to say, "All right, well, let's prioritize and see what makes that person tick." And let's try to do some things that are going to be um, are, are going to be con constructive for them so they can feel good. And if they're doing the same thing when it comes to you, what's happening is you guys are setting a structure within your household where you are um, you're, you're putting together uh, goals that you all will jointly accomplish. But they but they bring out some some happiness and joy and and, and glee out of the other person. And wow, now you now now y'all are working together to to come up with some symbiotic, beautiful thing. And that's what a family is. That's what a relationship is. And by the end of the whole thing, you know, if, if you if you had quality family relationship and all of those things, man, that's what that's what comes to uh, the, to to uh, the accumulation of that is is what they call a, a happy life. So that's all I have. Most definitely, and uh, 
I'm I'm, I'm gonna keep my my point short uh, because we got a lot that we can say in the after show. And like we said, this might be a recurring thing because we 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 started off very broad and we did that intentionally because you know it's a lot of needles in this haystack we can pull out and hopefully we don't prick ourselves while we're trying to find them. Um, but some of the key points that I want to just bring out is um, conceding responsibility in the proper arena, uh, specifically speaking to the men, because that's the point of view that we're coming from is, you know, understanding that women are emotional and respecting uh, their emotional logic. We talked about emotional intelligence uh, in the last season. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and listen to it. Uh, we did talk about it in, in terms of its benefits in the corporate world, but it can also be applied to your personal life. Emotional intelligence is something that will greatly benefit uh, you in your relationship and your and your per, in your personal and your work life, uh, but specifically when it comes to your relationship, uh, emotional intelligence, because that is something that we definitely have to tap into. We cannot ignore it. Um, and we've had opinions expressed tonight and point of views expressed tonight to let you know, even if you aren't versed in that particular arena, you can become quite proficient uh, and make your way towards making the right sacrifices uh, to make things work and to stepping up to the plate and to making things right. Um, but we're going to go ahead and kick it to the after show. I definitely want to thank our uh, our guests. They'll be joining us. Uh, Brother Randolph fell off for a minute. He had to handle some business, but I believe he'll be back uh, in the after show. Uh, Jay Woods, I definitely want to appreciate you for you know, bringing in your uh, your point of view and, and, and adding to the conversation. It was well uh, received and very much needed, and we appreciate you. Uh, so he'll definitely be in the after show continuing the conversation with us. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, season two of the Brethren Podcast has been officially kicked off and started. We hope uh, we drop some knowledge, as we always do. Um, but you can find us at our various uh, internet domains, uh, Destrian Wells can be found at dwellsconsulting.com or is it destrianwellsconsulting.com? We don't know. We'll figure it out. Type both of them in. Google it. It'll come up. <laughs> you can find them on Instagram at Empower, Engage, Execute. Uh, Dr. Ajamu Loving can be found on Instagram at Dr. Ajamu Loving. Uh, he can also be found at uh, jamuloving.com. And you can find me uh, at mmbbgw.com. Follow the Brethren Podcast at Brethren Pod on Instagram and Facebook. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D. Brethren like bread because we're always talking about our bread and we always getting bread. <laughs> Y'all just don't know what these five brothers, that's including me, have in store. Brethren has a totally different meaning now. But thank you for listening. Season 2, Episode 1 of the Brethren Podcast. Uh, we'll catch y'all in the after show where well, you know it always goes down. Thank you. <laughs>